The Production Expert Podcast with Mike Thornton, Emma Bart, and Alan Salabank. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast number 388. It's September the 25th, 2019. I'm Mike Thornton. I'm Alan Salabank. And I'm Emma Butt. And today is the first of a irregular series, shall we say, where we where the podcast is going to be a post-production special, hence the three of us around our virtual table. So Emma, um, we've got some deals. In fact, a, a very nice post-production related deal as well. For the whole of September, Zplane are offering a 33% saving on Elastic AAX, Zplane's time and pitch manipulation plugin for Pro Tools. Instead of the standard price of €299, Elastic AAX is available for €199, a saving of €100 until the end of the month. We have other great deals from our partners like Avid, Editor Keys and SoftTube on our deals page. Great. Okay, let's move straight on to our talking points, and these are sponsored by Artoria. Hello, experts and listeners. Pro Tools Expert Talking Points is brought to you with the support of Arturia. Arturia is very pleased to announce their new AudioFuse 8 Pre 8-channel rack-mounted USB-C audio interface featuring eight of Arturia's stunning-sounding AudioFuse mic preamps. Two pairs of monitor outputs, two pairs of headphone outputs, reamp outputs, as well as SPDIF, 16 channels of ADAT optical, and a three-port USB hub. I'm out of breath just thinking about it. This thing is truly fully loaded. You can find out more about the AudioFuse 8 Pre at the link in the show notes. Okay, so this being post-production special, uh, our first talking point, uh, you know, as post-production folk, uh, which tools or indeed which disciplines have we found to, have we found that will help us get ahead of the curve? So, I mean, this could be audio tools, it could be business management tools, strategies, it could be things like keeping on top of cash flow, dealing with outstanding invoices, time tracking, etc. So um, look at certainly, we'll look certainly at two or three each, see how things go. Um, and I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to get straight in and say uh, Isotope RX as a post-production tool. I don't think, especially these days, with so much noise, either on the studio floor or out on location, how we could ever do what we do without something like RX or, say, Cedar Audio's uh, tools, but certainly something to get rid of noise, essentially. Or, again, with, with, with uh, more content not being... Uh, acquired with audio professionals uh, at the helm, um, needing tools to uh, deal with um, uh, uh, peak distortion, uh, you name it, we have to clean it up. So, uh, yeah, I think um, I don't think there would be any dissension in the room here. No, certainly not. Not at all, no. And I think it's actually been a really, uh, on a, as a side effect, it's actually been a very good um, emollient in the relations between post and production sound, actually, uh, because we, don't, we no longer have to say directly to the client, we can't work with this audio, we've got to replace it. We can actually do an awful lot of work with it and then have a quiet work with the production team 
afterwards, which keeps everybody a lot calmer and keeps the yeah production running smoothly. So I'm all for it as well for 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 many reasons. Without breaking any confidentialities, Alan, what's what what have you done recently with with RX? Good grief. Uh, well, I use it every day on every trailer uh, I mix, um, even if I'm using mixed dialogue stems. Um, still use it on that because the one one of the things about uh, having to cram that sort of content into uh, loudness regulations is that the higher the noise floor, the higher overall um, reading you're going to get. Mm. And your your dialogue is going to have to be at a lower level, effectively, if it's got a lot of noise on it. So um, even though it can be sometimes taking it past, you know, where, the edge of where it would might sound comfortable if you're listening to it on its own, um, that can often make dialogue stand out, yet not be illegal in terms of loudness on a on a short form yeah. spot. Uh, what about you, Emma? What sort of things do you end up having to use RX for? Oh, Jesus, every factual prog- program that comes across my desk. Because mm. um, without a doubt, you've had a self-shooting director-producer. Yeah. yeah. And they just obviously don't know how to capture sound because they don't know how, don't have the training. Um, and there was a particular show that I was working on recently where it was a lot of interviews with scientists in a lab environment. Oh, Oh, and they fans hadn't used, and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and they hadn't used a clip mic. And then when they had used a clip mic, they obviously had shoved it right underneath the clothes, so it was almost unusable. Yeah. And Orex Dialogue Isolate is just absolutely incredible. Like, that's the first thing that I open when I open up a Pro Tools session, is I have that on my window ready to go. Yeah. But I think one of the only downsides to Orex. I have to say, being a little bit, you know, devil's advocate, is that people do have a tendency to overuse it. Yes, I will cook it, definitely. Yeah, and then you start to hear it, and it kind yeah. of defeats the purpose of it. Yeah, no, I've I've heard a number of, uh, you know, broadcast content, and I'm thinking, ooh, you've overcooked it there. Yeah. <laughs> but again, you know, the more you use it, the more you get used, you, you really pick up the artifacts and you start picking it out. And uh, yeah, sometimes it's... I think it's less objectionable for it to just to dial it back a little bit. Yes, all right, there might be a little bit of noise there, but essentially I think it, in terms of comfortable listening, uh, that can often be the lesser of uh, several evils, as it were. Yeah, completely. Alan, what's your first one? Uh, my first one is a, is a discipline, which um, is basically based on the fact that post-production is a team game, and it's not just the team within the audio team, it's the entire team who are doing all the post-production. So as our as a big part of our job involves solving problems, the best way to solve a problem is to identify what external factors are influencing it. And to help everything run smoothly, I've found that I I solve problems faster and head them off faster if I understand the entire process. So everything that's gone before my stage and everything that goes after my stage, so that I understand intimately what 
how the uh, video editors, the picture editors have come to this point of what file they're going to send me, where that sound has come from, how it's been sunk up, how it's been ingested, uh, all these things, because that gives you a clear overview of the workflow. And then you can also then uh, tailor your deliverables to the resulting workflow. So uh, one thing I've noticed recently is a lot more clients are now actually asking for an embedded AAF deliverable of the audio in the track layout that is going to be on the master video file delivery file. So it basically takes all that um, task out of the online editor's hands and reduces the chances of errors being made in configuration deliverable and everything like that. So, so presumably, you know, it, it reduces the error of, you know, if you, dis, if you send a polywav of a video editor loading it up and getting the track order wrong. Absolutely. And therefore, you know, the center turning on the left, because obviously we've got the different formats with the different channel orders. Oh, so yeah. presumably by doing the AAF, each track is clearly labeled left, center, right, etc. Well, it's in. It, it, they don't have to rearrange them. So yeah. it is. If it's a, if it's a sixteen channel, uh, five plus six plus two and six plus two deliverable, uh, as is you know, the the one to people like Nat Geo, um, then you can just you deliver it as that, and they just bring that into their project and they export it as such. Uh, so they don't touch any of the QC. They don't. So they don't touch any of the the mastering effectively of the audio into the um, into the video project. So um, that sort of you know that that forces us to then take responsibility for putting the right lineup tones on the front of those as well, uh, and having them starting at the right place and, and everything like that. And it encourages actually collaboration between the video process and the sound process. Uh, the other um, good side effect of it is that uh, sending an, AA, an embedded AAF is actually a lot more secure than sending the WAVs because there's far less domestic software that can open <laughs> an AAF. Yeah. So uh, yeah. generally... So it got, got sort of uh, If it got intercepted, intercepted, yes. Yeah. Then they wouldn't necessarily have the tools to open that file. Yeah. Is there any video... Video software, though, that has an issue with importing the AAF. So I know Premiere can be a bit tricky sometimes. Um, most of the stuff recently I've done has been uh, final exported on Premiere. Um, and I haven't come across anything, any problems with importing it to Avid. If I've ever had any problems, it's generally because of the in import settings that, that, that they've got there at their mm. end. But um, generally, no. Um I mean, obviously, things like um, Resolve are still... They're, it's they're not quite there yet, yes. I think, would be the diplomatic way of putting it. Yeah, Certainly in terms of audio, it's yeah nearly there, but not yet. And Final Cut Pro has pretty much disappeared from, well, certainly my yeah. my scene. So Final Cut 7 is what... what we, or do you mean Final Cut Pro X in um, that context? Pro X never really sort of made any form of impact yeah. everybody kept with um pro 7 um yeah. and uh one of the reasons that there's been a lot of pickup of resolve actually is that it can i think it can open the projects yes uh, and do an online from them so that's what's sort of led to that building up i mean mm. um in terms of 
color grading and such like that, I think they've been going for more things like base light and uh, and various things like that rather than actually using Resolve's tools. But, um, you know, it's obviously worth keeping an eye on. And, uh, you know, you do see, I mean, I do keep an eye on the on the Blackmagic forums as well. So mm. um, it's interesting to see the things that come up there. But it's generally all video workflow stuff. Yeah. Emma, what's your first one? Uh, I think mine is going to be a strategy which okay. is networking, mm. which it still astounds me that so many people in our industry are just, just do not want to do networking. Don't see the benefit. Don't see why they have to do it. Just want to stay trapped in a dark room all the time. And I just think it's, it's one of the best ways of firstly finding new work, but also finding out what's happening in your industry Yeah, and where everybody is moving, what clients are doing, what, what projects might be upcoming um, like networking, I rarely get a chance to read online articles a lot of the time, um, besides Pro Tools Expert, of course. Um, but I nearly missed the news about uh, Netflix taking out space in Pinewood, which is obviously a big deal for the industry over here. Mm-hmm. And that was just from at a networking event. Someone started talking about it and I found out the information. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a, a strategy that people don't give enough focus to in now, our obvious, line of work. Obviously, as the three of us are all based in the UK, we can probably talk to the UK industry a little bit more uh, in detail. So in terms of networking opportunities here in the UK, Emma, do you have any recommendations? Well, I mean, I have to say AMPS. No, oh, you're perfectly allowed yeah. to say AMPS. <laughs> I was, would have been a little disappointed if you hadn't. Cause <laughs> I think I probably would have got an earful from council if I didn't mention AMPS. <laughs> You'd have got uh, an earful from a former council member. <laughs> I know, I, I was just thinking that as well. <laughs> um, just, no. just so that we're clear, AMPS is, because obviously we three of us know all about AMPS, but just yeah. for anybody who's um, you know come out, come, come out you know, not aware of it. Uh, so AMPS is the Association of Motion Picture Sound Engineers here in the UK, but actually it's a worldwide organisation. Um, and I'm one of the current council members. Alan is a previous council member. And the whole point of the organisation is to help support, train, network, um, anybody working in pro audio across uh sound design, location sound, game audio. Uh, yeah, because it would be fair yeah. to say, although the title is Motion Picture Sound, it relates as much to broadcast and gaming and, and all the various pro audio sectors in, in out, out, effectively outside of music production. Exactly, yeah. Um, game audio, we're still a little bit behind in reaching into that area because we just don't have enough members that are part of it and we don't understand it enough ourselves, but... Um, we're getting there slowly but surely. Uh, but AMPS is definitely a great tool for networking because we have started doing regional networking events. Um, mm. So there's one in Bristol, London. Um, I think we've got another one up in Manchester and we're always trying to constantly expand them. And the and the great thing is that the, the, the social events also are open to non-members as well. So yeah, exactly. you don't even have to be a plus one or anything like that. Just turn up, say hi, say I'm drinking with amps and uh, grab a bar stool. Um, and it was in fact at one at a uh, it was at a, an amp social um, about six months ago uh, at Delane Lee in, in Soho that we yeah you know, myself and some other members were having a having a drink and a little discussion. 
And this gentleman wandered over to our table and uh, said, uh, hi, uh, do you mind if I join you? And uh, we said, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And uh, he said, um, let me introduce myself. I, I'm Walter Murch. Oh, my God. <laughs> What a legend! And uh, yeah, so we went. We, we replied, "Yeah, we we know who you are. <laughs> Grab a seat. What would you like to drink?" Uh, so yes, you can. But even then, you know, you can bump into people who are uh, across all sectors of our of the sound industry and 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 picture and production. Um, it they are wonderfully good uh, networking events and the. Um, the fellows membership, I mean, they've got hundreds of years of experience between them, um, including such legends as Graham Hartstone, uh, Nina Hartstone's father, who was uh, mm. head of sound at Pinewood. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the opportunity to, to meet these people and to share views and techniques and workflow and even just get some good old fashioned moral support is mm. is, is invaluable, definitely. Are there any online opportunities in this sort of uh, sector? Do you know what? I have to say Twitter. Mm. Okay, yeah. It's not really one that people usually think about, but I find the audio community on Twitter for help and support and networking Mm. is just absolutely incredible. Like, I've met so many people through Twitter who I haven't met in real life maybe for another year. And they've helped me. They've actually sent jobs my way. Um. Katie, I can never say Katie's last name. I want to say Tavini, but I don't know if that's right. Uh, She works in music, uh, but she's a big supporter of women in audio and women in sound. Um, She's someone who I actually got in contact with on Twitter, not in real life. Mm. Um, She's always someone to give me support. Um, Peter as well, whose last name I cannot pronounce either. I am terrible with names. Uh, Danish sound supervisor, sound designer. He's incredible. Um, He's another person and he's actually signed up for the AMPS mentoring scheme. We've never met in person and it's all just done through Twitter. Mm. The other one in a sort of similar vein to uh, AMPS is IPS, what is now called in the Institute of Professional Sound. Yeah. It used to be the Institute of Broadcast Sound, but again, with the changes in pro audio, unfortunate initials. <laughs> with the changes in pro audio, you know, getting expanding, uh, we changed the name. Uh, obviously, uh, as IPS, we have meetings around the UK, mainly in London. Um, there's always, uh, in fact, it's, it's coming up. If your memory serves me right, this weekend there's um, a boot or a car boot or van sale. I not selling but cars, boot uh, vans, but obviously <laughs> gear. Yeah, you know, but but a but a pro audio sort of coming at it from from you know film, TV, sound, etc. Um, people sort of selling off bits of gear that they no longer need. Um, the IBA, the IPS also has uh, an old fashioned email forum in terms of you know you post an email to a, a list and that goes out to everybody. Uh, they also now have. Um, a closed uh, business Facebook group. So there's lots of ways uh, that we can network within that environment. So again, another organization to to consider here in the UK. Um, looking further afield, do we have any recommendations for um, similar um, 
institutions, should we say, organisations um, further afield. I can think of one, which is the Cinema Audio Society in the in in the US, especially West Coast. Sure. Um, also, the Motion Picture Sound Editors Guild. Um, yes. Who do the Golden Reel Awards? Uh, and uh, yes, uh, both them and uh, CAS are, are, are lovely people. Um, they actually uh, do punch above their weight an awful lot more because they managed to get their um, initials uh, more recognised on on screen credits than actually, yeah. which is one of the campaigns AMPS has been pushing forward a lot as well. Um, but yeah, they're, they're all great people. And then I think there's also the Gemini in Canada. I may be wrong. Um, you'd have to, we'd have, I'd have to look that up. But yeah, there's yeah, also there's. A- soundgirls.org yes I got one in for the ladies oh yeah. absolutely yeah um, indeed and then I think there's women in women's audio mission as well yeah wham wham mm-hmm. yes we've got um, that we've we've supported we support them in women in film and TV ways. I think as well sorry which one women in film and TV yeah yes yeah. indeed that's definitely a, that, that's that's an, an excellent one to be involved with as yeah. well definitely Okay, let's go for round two. Um, I'm going to go for a, a tool that I recently started using to help me manage what I'm actually spending my time on. And uh, it came out of a, a time management article uh, that we posted here on Production Expert and Productions Expert. Uh, and one of the recommendations was a free tool which you use online called clockify Uh, and i'm finding it incredibly useful to to be able to keep track you can either literally click a stopwatch and it starts monitoring and then you just tell it what you're doing at the time or you can go back in and and either edit those or add you know offline as it were things you know because i don't know about you but so often i can get sort of sidetracked into doing something else and i think oh no i just spent half an hour doing that when i thought i was doing something else so for me that is proving to be very useful because one of the 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 roots of the articles that we put out on the on this is how do you know what to bill clients for you know especially Mm. if you're working obviously if you're doing at one level if you're doing a buyout then it kind of doesn't matter but i think it probably still matters for that because all right you've You've done a deal where you're going to do the job, but surely you want to actually work out whether the price you quoted for that deal, you put in more or less hours than it was worth, because that will help to uh, inform future uh, negotiations in terms of doing buyouts. Uh, I have to say, I'm not a particular fan of buyouts, because usually there's no incentive for the for the client to... Um, to get the job finished uh, in a sensible time frame because it's not effectively it taking longer isn't on their dime as it were but uh, that's a whole different issue and to a degree an issue that we've we've discussed before here in terms of emma when yeah we talked about on the podcast your um, article dealing with difficult clients so if you want to know more about that then check out both the article and also the podcast where we discuss that one in more detail. But but no, I think being able to track time um, is a really useful tool. And I say that as someone who's effectively only just started doing it after um, a full life uh, I'm really uh, in curious the industry. See, I'm really curious to see how you get on with this, Mike, because I am terrible 
for time management on my jobs. And without a doubt, I always end up spending longer than I should. Well, I'm, I, mean, I found I can... it easier to work because it's relatively simple to do. Yeah. You know, the work, you know, at its simplest, I just, you can set up categories, you can, and then you can just type in the job that you're doing. So it might be a particular project you're working on that could have a category. And then you could actually say, at the moment, I'm doing um, dialogue edit on this particular project. And then you assign it to a project, you click the start button, and then when you finish that particular task, you just hit the end button, it logs it, you can go back in, create a new one. So you can very quickly and easily, it's it's, it's low maintenance, because one of the things that I've, you know, I've tried these sorts of ideas before, trying to log it in my diary or something like that, yeah. and it was so much work and effort, mm. I just, for, I basically stopped doing it, because, it, but I found Clockify, I've been using it now for nearly a month, and I found it sufficiently low maintenance that I actually use it properly. I mean, I started using um, Alexa. So basically, oh, wow. really? Yeah. So, because basically, if, if you link it to your Gmail account or what have you, <clears throat> you can just say, and I'm not going to say the word because Indeed. it's right beside <laughs> me. Uh, hey, A, start calendar event subject, bump now yeah and then you can and when you finish what you're doing just say stop calendar event boom now and then it's just logged on your on your calendar that you've done that thing at that time uh which is really important for my short form clients because they pay by the hour but the it's yep. also good for me because i come from a structure i trained up in a structure where facilities were always charged out by the hour and they also charged all magnetic tape stock literally by the foot mm. so we had to keep detailed notes on how long every single part of the process took and how much tape stock we were using so um that that's and when these things started falling by the wayside uh you know going tapeless and 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 what have you and having more buyouts and stuff like that it was still actually very good to keep that accurate a record because then you could justify yourself to your managers to to yeah. the productions as well you say well if they say oh we don't feel we got good value for this buyout you can just say well actually i did five ten hour days for you in a row there yeah and you were there yeah so it's that's that it's all about sort of protecting yourself and bringing some order to to, to that to that sort of part of your life and um and also i think actually I, I, like emma was saying uh, you know it's very easy to just run away and not know when to stop yeah i mean we're all passionate about what we yeah. do that's why we do it and you so you, you you will just keep working at it to get the job done well but yeah the time very easily runs away with us absolutely Completely. and i get the irish catholic guilt as well <laughs> So if it's a, a tricky project and it's going to take a little bit of extra time than what I've agreed with the client to do, yeah. I mean, the Irish Catholic guilt always kicks in and I'm like, oh, I'll just put an extra hour in. It'll be fine. And yeah, so I I love the idea of this Clockify pro mm. like program and Alexa is amazing, yeah. but I think I'd cheat. <laughs> I think I'd totally cheat. Yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> okay. So, um, Alan, what's your second one? 
Well, this is going completely away from uh, audio tech and uh, and discipline tech, um, but it does touch on what you were talking about with Clockify as well, uh, and that's FreshBooks. Uh, and it's important to also mention that there are other online accounting software is available. So, um, and what FreshBooks has brought to me is a separation between running the account side of my business and doing the creative side. And I can also log from my calendar stuff into FreshBooks as well to for billing and, and refer across, you know, from various bits to each other. So I can put the invoice number for the job in my calendar and vice versa. So um and the it, it keeps everything in order for me. There's no handwritten invoices or, you know, or yeah, Word doc invoices. Uh, you can customize the invoices with them, but also you do get a notification of when they've seen your invoice, which is excellent because you, if if you uh, happen to maybe get the email address wrong, um, you know, you can then investigate why they haven't actually opened your invoice or looked at it. Um, or if they've claimed they haven't received it, you can actually say, well, actually, who looked at it then? So there's there's loads of benefits to it, and um, but the other thing also is that on a psychological level, it in a, it it brings a buffer between you and the client, and the worst thing in the world is the clash of financial concerns versus creative concerns. That's a real crimp on any uh, sound session, um, because if. Yeah, you, know, you want the creative to think that their project is absolutely worth the world to everybody, uh, but there is there, there's a finite a value attached to it, and when it comes to t- haggling about that finite finite um, value of that project, um, the world's worst people to negotiate that sort of thing are the engineers. That we're just useless at sort handling that sort of stuff. We get we we get nervous when dealing with clients' account sections, and it's almost like they speak a slightly different language. In fact, mm. so having that buffer where I just send out an email with my invoice professionally laid out with all the terminology that they understand, and and you know and they deal with it in a way that I understand. It just removes that tension from the whole environment, and I, I and I've noticed that things become a lot easier yeah. with clients' accounts departments since and adopting FreshBooks. With tools like FreshBooks, etc., it gives you, as you say, it gives you that separation. It's as it appears to you know their accounts department that it's your accounts department talking to them. It's Absolutely, not you, yeah. you personally chasing them for money. Um, and so you can kind of, uh, you know, point out, you know, my accounts department tell me that uh, you don't seem to have um, paid your invoice recently. You know, yes. it's, it's, so you, it gives that impression uh, very successfully. So now I think wh- whether you use an online tool like FreshBooks, I'm still in terms of my own personal business, I still use QuickBooks as a as mm. a, an application Um and of course, being a Mac person, I'm having to run that in emulation. So it's bizarre. I'm still using um, an old window, an old Windows uh, emulation, just to run QuickBooks. But 
but essentially it's the same principle. Um, well, uh, yeah, obviously I don't get the online notifications and stuff that you, you get when people have viewed it. But, uh, but when, again... It, when I first started, my accountant forced me to buy Sage. Oh. And it wouldn't coexist with Pro Tools on my computer. So. Yeah. I mean, Sage, uh, yeah, not and my so, favourite accountant. Uh, it got installed <laughs> once and then thrown away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely go for the online ones as well because, mm. again, they're, they're available on apps as well. Yeah. So you can do yes. all this checking up without having to be in front of your office yeah, computer. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a really good separation and enables you to keep a close eye on that mm. that all-important money. I know we all do it for love, but, you know... Yeah, at the end of the day, we helps. have to pay the mortgage. <laughs> I do have to ask, though, is there a lot of setup at the start? No, not at all. Not at it's all. Re- it's just straightforward. It's very straightforward. In fact, they can actually help you with things like, you know, if you suddenly become VAT registered and all this sort of stuff. It, it's it's there's, there's a lot of tools to actually sort of translate it to the, the more um, creatively-minded people yeah. among us definitely yeah that's good to know it's something that i actually still haven't started using yet and it's been recommended to me so much is to use actually quickbooks like you mike yeah well um, quick I, the quickbooks is now also online i mean i'm using the offline version but it isn't online yeah. but having mm. used FreshBooks as an online uh, accounting package because that's what we use here at production expert from the business point of view um FreshBooks is very very good uh so uh, yeah, you know, I can also recommend FreshBooks from 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 that perspective because, in terms of running Production Expert, that's what we use. Mm. Okay, Emma, what's your second one? Uh, my one is probably about scheduling emails, which Ooh. yeah, it's a bit of a different one. Yes, um, I have always found that if I love the fact that Gmail has now introduced uh, a scheduling function, mm. so. We are all busy. We all have days where we get locked in a studio from 9 a.m. in the morning till 6 p.m., maybe later. Um, we're missing our gap to call clients or organize yeah. plans for a job that we know is coming up and we need to speak to someone. And personally, I find if you send an email to a client or to a post house at 10, 11 o'clock at night when you're finally getting to sit down and do your admin, you are either going to wait a week or two for a reply or they just won't reply. So my new thing has now been, I write all those emails out that I know I need to sort out or information I need to get for upcoming jobs. um, And I schedule them and I schedule them to go out at exactly 9am the next morning. So I know that when that person gets in, that will hopefully be one or two, either the first or the second of their emails in their inbox that they are going to see straight away. And I'm going to get an answer quicker. That's a really good tactic. Yeah. But you don't have to then work, like be sitting in your session, stressing out, worrying that, oh, shy, I've got to get in touch with this person and get this sorted out. And what if I can't get in contact with them? And it's just done. It's sorted and it's out of your head. Do you have the Gmail business? Sweet. No. No, you don't. Because no. um, one of the features they've introduced on that is the, the read receipts, which is also very, very handy. Yes, oh, you know somebody's actually received the email. So yeah. again, yeah. Um, I didn't know they did that. That's really great. Yeah. I, well, I never received it. Yeah, you did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you have proof. Though, do they have to click something to say that they've no, read no, it? No, no, it's automatic. It's, it's, it's kind of like... Um, 
uh, a, a little bit of code that's in the email that yeah. basically, for want of a better word, phones home and says this has been opened. So I know it's a it, it number of there are a number of email packages now that have this read receipt. Um, yeah, you know, you feature. know when an email's trouble when you've got a read receipt with it. <laughs> generally, every invoice, every email from my accountants has a read receipt on it. So, yeah. I was just about to say, for sending out invoices, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, time ticketh. So I think we'll move on and uh, take a look at the competitions that uh, we currently have running on Production Expert. Uh, two of them this month. Uh, you can win a copy of the amazing Artoria V Collection uh, 7, so uh, that's worth €499. Euros. Uh, v Collection 7 is a stunning sounding compilation of 24 virtual keyboard instruments, everything from acoustic to electric pianos to ground-baking synths from the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s, so yeah, my era. Um, if you're a synth head, uh, or even if you're not, but would like to be, then this is one that isn't to be missed. And then uh, continuing on the uh, virtual instrument front, our friends at E-Instruments have given us three copies of their Session Keys Upright Piano, the, the library that works in Native Instruments Contact. Uh, so Session Keys Upright Piano has been created with the philosophy that the best piano is the one that suits the music you're making. And sometimes you need a grand piano and sometimes you need an upright piano so if either of those competitions are of interest to you then check out the win page and you'll find a link for that in the podcast article so second talking point alan um i'll let you introduce this because this was one that you suggested yeah sure um well it's entitled there's no place like home and um as I've worked more and more and more studios, um, I've found it more and more important to have a benchmark. And so that's my own studio where I know how sessions will perform. I know what they will sound like. Uh, I know how the sound in my own studio will translate outside of my studio. Um, but quite often, I mean, I can be asked to go and do a do a four-hour session in a huge Dolby Atmos theatrical room and then the next four hours be in a stereo cupboard. So it's it's important to, to, to have some, for me, to have some form of baseline. And uh, certainly when I'm on the move, I have my, my headphones as well uh, and my own portable Pro Tools system on my laptop. So I've got that reference point there as well. Um, but I mean, how important do you find it? Because I might, you, you, I think between the three of us, I think you probably work away from your location the least. I mean, I know Emma yes. does a lot of touring <laughs> around studios and facilities yeah. and such like that. So, um, how, what do you feel about this? Uh, well, for me, um, mo more and more, in fact, pretty well all the work I now do is at home. There were there was a time when it was actually most of my work was in in studios, uh, in largely mainly in the BBC, but also independent production companies who got their own facilities. The only slight advantage I had with quite a few of those facilities is that they were also facilities that I built, so I kind of ah, knew my yes. way around them. <laughs> That's <laughs> so totally it's slightly cheating, cheating, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, going into an unknown 
uh, you know, facility, not really knowing perhaps the monitors, not knowing uh, the environment. It's always a little bit uh, harder. Again, you know, back in the day when it was tended to be the BBC and you tended to know, you know, you, there was a very narrow range of monitors. You know, it was an LS35A, LS58s. Yeah. You kind of knew what you were dealing with, but obviously as things uh, broadened out and uh, lots, lots more different types of products came out, you, you again, you're dealing with maybe products that you're not familiar with going in, especially with digital consoles. Analog consoles kind of didn't really matter because you could find your way around any analog console mm. pretty well. We could, but as soon as you start getting to digital consoles, that's I found that much harder to... Um, to get into quite quickly because they each had very different ways of, of functioning. And especially as I got doing it less and less as more and more digital consoles came along, I would have find myself having to do a refresh of, oh, how do I use a Studio Vista? It's like, oh, yeah, I need to go and just go through that before, I, before I'm in front of the client and needing to do things straight away. So, yeah, that that's for me. Uh, but now, really, most of the time I'm working in my own facility and making sure that what I do here will will do the translation um but Emma I guess you're probably pretty well the opposite end of the spectrum as it were yeah I mean I am pretty much in a new studio every week hmm. um and I find it really tricky so like for the last seven weeks I've been working at home which has been great but today I was back in a studio doing ADR and actually this particular studio has just had an upgrade so even though it's a room that I know and I know really well, because it's been upgraded, the whole sound of the room has changed. Oh, and it's really, it, yeah, it's really, yeah. it's really, really tricky, especially with ADR where <clears throat> you need to know how the room sounds. So you know how to place the mic and where is it's going to work. Um, and even how the mic amps behave as well. I mean, that, well, yeah. yeah, that was part of the upgrade is that they got all new mic preamps. Um, uh -huh. Because the uh, the old ones were making noise, so mm -hmm. these were like brand new Focusrite pre's, which are beautiful and they sound great. But it was a new headphone preamp as well, so the two of those in the one equation, it was just oh, a bit no. of a head fuck. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, all, all your benchmarks and references that, we, that Alan, you were talking about in the introduction, oh. all gone away. Yeah, <laughs> completely. Well, I, I know from experience, if you have a regular bunch of ADR studios, you you, you know, you actually pretty much memorise where the pots are in your head yeah. every time you go there. So you know that that mic amp um, works okay at about one o'clock for the boom mic and maybe a bit hotter for the radio mic. Um, and that you, you know, don't put the headphone amps above three unless you are profoundly deaf. But, you know, yeah. it's that, that, but yeah, I know the feeling when you walk into someone is it's without your knowledge actually being completely changed. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it, it's totally disorientating. I, I, I found it, I, I, yeah, I, it's, is one of the reasons why actually it's been really good, you know, to have my own proper studio where I can actually undertake these things at my own place. We, again, it gives me a bit of continuity, but um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem to have minimised the amount of different studios I've <laughs> working. <laughs> but presumably, Alan, are you finding that your that clients are more um, more likely to allow you to work at home or work sorry work in your own facility rather than having to go 
here, there and everywhere to do what you do? They, it, well, yeah, it's a bit of a... The clients in general don't care as long as it gets delivered to their spec uh, right. to, and their and their timetable. Um, but uh, obviously, you know, there, there are some jobs where the need to be flexible and the need to be able to just pick it up and, and go off somewhere else is is more important than, than others. Um, and also, you know, if if your studio isn't doesn't sound similar to the or behave similarly to wherever you're doing the final mix review, then mm. you don't want to be spending all your time in front of the client endlessly undoing or redoing things that you yeah. didn't realize was sound that way in, in, in the main environment. So it does add a pressure to your home studio as such to be able to, you know, punch its full weight um in in comparison to these sort of things but it does also on the flip side lead to some frustrations where an awful lot of facilities outside of your own studio don't actually perform as well so or don't have some of the tools that you want at your disposal yes absolutely um i mean the main thing i found is you know going to other facilities and finding uh, an offline bounce taking four times as long as it does in my room but yeah. you know that's it, it's things like that which you don't then don't factor in which then fa it'll lead to an awful lot more overtime because uh, you know it it, it, uh, it can easily turn an eight-hour day into a twelve-hour day. So um, and th and that again also is is not something you can really bring up with a client. It, it, it is just no. it is absolutely completely lost time and money. You've got to absorb it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So being prepared for it is actually very important. So Emma, how have you found this last seven weeks where you've been able to work at home? Has that sort of been a revelation for you, or do you know what I hated it? <laughs> I really how? hated it. I mean, why? Because you're by yourself. Yeah, I, right. I do not know how sound editors work like this all the time. Um, I mean, I loved it in that I was doing great work, but I find the whole, I find being in my own space really isolating. And I mean, maybe that's why I specialise in ADR and mixing, because I, I enjoy the It's far more social, being, isn't it? Yeah, completely. And I mean, it was great going in and doing ADR today because I knew it, it was crowd as well. So I knew it was going to be around a lot of people. Big team um, game. Mm. Yeah, it's, it, but working at home has just been, it's been frustrating. And also you have no tech support. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that, that was my big thing. I mean, maybe I've just been spoiled for all of my career working in post houses where I had tech support. But I think my, my computer just decided to die one morning. Um, just just to give me a little heart attack, it was absolutely fine. It just didn't want to work for about 10 minutes. And I was like, holy fuck, I have a whole week of work ahead because this is Monday morning, just what you want. And I was like, I don't know what to do in this situation. And there's no one around to call. And I am now my tech support. And it's just a little bit scary and a little bit isolating. <laughs> Yeah, he's got that inbuilt sensor, the stress overload sensor that all washing mm. machines and yeah. uh, such have. Yeah, uh, it's the same thing. So yeah, just just yeah, walk away, get another cup of coffee. Definitely, I think. I think that's exactly what I did. And then the the following week, when my internet decided to die, and I had to send sessions back to my clients. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, that was another one. Um, so yeah, tech support. I miss it. <laughs> Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com.
you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you will know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be, and even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN-equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser with no software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Okay, and uh, move on to our last section, which is Find of the Week, and these are sponsored by RSPE Audio Solutions. RSPE Audio carries nearly every great microphone you can think of, from budget to boutique. They have microphones from Sennheiser, Newman, Earthworks, Shure, Loughton, Peluso, AKG, Blue, Townsend Labs, Antelope, and many more. Not sure what mic you need? RSPE's team can help. Just tell them the work you do and they can recommend a few mics. Plus, if you're in LA, you can book a demo so you can try them out before you buy. Shop online or contact their team to find the right mic for you. Okay, so find of the week. Alan, we'll start with you. Yeah, well, um, as anyone who follows me on social media or follows HHB Scrub, um, it has to be the new Avid S1 controller with the new Android Avid audio control app, um, which I've been lucky enough to have uh, a prototype of for a little while. So, in fact, you you were the first person to show it to the wide world. Recently, the, the first yeah? one to show the S1 to the UK and the first one in the world to show the, the app. So the app on Android. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah. And it, it went down an absolute storm. And uh, it's one of those things because it doesn't even have a manual written for it yet. So uh, when you, you find yourself demonstrating it and discovering new features and going, oh, wow, that's cool. Oh, no, that's really cool. Oh, no, hang on a second. And, uh, you know, like one I discovered completely by accident when I was setting up for the HHB event was... Um, the S1 has manic strips down each side. Yes. To join the, the, to glue the to glue join the together. consoles together when you have more yeah. than one. Because my, oh my car God. keys stuck to it. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. But no uh, more brackets or anything like that, just clunk. <laughs> I mean, but uh one of the um principal uh things that was uh, commented on about the Android uh control app is that is is the sheer cost of the tablets, indeed. Because if you are putting together the maximum config you you can with an S one, which is uh, four controllers and a and a uh, dock, then you've got five tablets there. And uh, with an iPad, with iPads starting at three hundred and thirty pounds each, um, when you can then buy fully capable uh, Android tablets for just over a hundred pounds each, it really does bring the bill down a lot. Um, so yeah, and, and it's very slick. It looks great. The meter bridge for the S1, the meter bridge mode is fantastic. It, it looks every bit as sexy as the S6 M40 bridge. Um, and yeah, no, it's a and lovely. nowhere near as expensive because those displays are seven thousand dollars. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> you can buy. Well, hopefully, if we if we you know if we think the price of the S1 because it's still not being officially announced, but if we're looking at around. Twelve, thirteen hundred pounds sterling, um, then, which is what we think it will will come out at. Uh, yeah, you can buy uh, yeah, quite I, a few S ones for, for seven thousand dollars. I would. I really think this is going to be Avid's big, big, big selling product. Um, mm. You know, it's it's really well thought out, and they seem to have covered it not from a sort of 
from what I can tell, they haven't come at it from um, a focus group angle, i.e. what do you want from the console? They've come at it from the angle where they've said, well, we can do all this. What don't we need? Mm. Um, and you know, there's been some things that you know from uh, that, yeah, that aren't available on it that are available on the S4 and S6, and you know, that I would be silly to include those features on on such a low cost product. So, um, but yeah, it, I, the the design process I think has been really clever, and I I think they've got a real killer product on their hands there. I think it's brilliant. Okay, Emma, what's your find of the week? Well, mine has to be the Amps Awards, which we had on Friday night. Um, so what 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 awards were up for grabs? Well, we were presenting our drama sound award winners with their prize, which was the sound team from Hackenbacker for Killing Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also had two new awards this year, which was our factual award um, and our new tech award. So our tech award was actually won by Isotope. Uh, well, prim- what do you know? <laughs> I know, and I. For ORX as well, or RX as our Brits well done, say. well Woo-hoo. done. <laughs> yeah. um, but I have to say, Auto Align Post was up there as well, which is also another oh. incredible mm. product that's out yes. at the moment. Yes. Um, and actually, I have to say, I was sorry to see that they didn't win because I'm such a fan of it, and mm. I can mm. say it now because the winner has been announced. But they Auto Align did get my vote. Um, but it was just great to see. Uh, we had a great evening and. Great to see the sound community come together. We also had, um, so Peter Jackson's last uh, film, They Shall Not Grow Old. Yeah. Uh, that was up for nomination for the Factual Award. And some of the sound team actually managed to come to the event. Fantastic. Uh, so we got to meet some of the sound designers from the film. Wow. Who, I mean, the work that they did is just incredible. The detail that they did in that film. So again, just just in case people haven't heard of this, just give us a, an insight into to what this film was about. Um, so basically, he got World War. Oh feck, is it two or one? One, one. Thank you. <laughs> uh, World War One archive footage and uh, colorized it and brought the whole footage to life. And obviously, this footage had no sound on it, so the sound team basically created every little piece of sound that you hear uh all the dialogue was adior um and it's just it's stunning absolutely stunning and it brings this whole uh period of war to life just seeing it in like vibrant color it just gives the whole whole thing a new sense um and it's really powerful and i would recommend everybody to watch it but obviously it definitely deserved the nomination for a factual award because mm. the the amount of time that those mm. guys would have had to spend and girls yeah. um, is just incredible. And they did such a good job. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, my find of the week has to be the new Pentio 16 Pro surround up mixing and down mixing plugin. Uh, anybody who's followed the uh, the blog for any period of time knows that I have been very complimentary of all the variants, starting from Pentio 3, 4, 7, and... Um, and in fact, have given each of them uh, editor's choice award uh, each time it's come round. And I have to say that with Pentio 16, there was no way I couldn't give it what we now call expert's choice, um, because th- to have both up mixing and down mixing in the one plugin, 
um, to have the ability not only to go from, say, stereo up to 5171, but all the way up to all the various uh, Atmos formats, but also DTSX and uh, Ambisonics. Uh, so it it's, it's covers immersive formats um, as well as Oro 3D. Uh, and to be able to do down mixing and up mixing. And I have to say, you know, again, doing the sort of review and doing a, a YouTube video, it wasn't really possible hmm. to sort of show the Dolby Atmos side of it off. But but having a listen to it, um, what I was able, obviously, to show is doing a down mix of the up mix and comparing that to the original stereo format. Um, just, again, reiterates the amazing algorithm that, you know, the down mix is to all intents and purposes, I mean, it won't null out, but to all intents and purposes, it's the same as the original stereo. Uh, so backwards compatibility uh, are stunning. But to add in, you know, not all, not only the conventional um, immersive formats like Atmos and Oro 3D and uh, DTSX, but also to add in the Ambisonics, uh, so really covers the VR world. And also the great thing about Ambisonics is it's a, it's a, almost a, uh, a platform agnostic way of dealing with immersive sound yeah. if you've got a decent ambisonics recording you can then output it to you know nine one you know seven one plus four whatever formats that you need um so uh very very good so yes that uh, you can already see that even after you know a few weeks i'm still uh, very uh, enthusiastic about this uh, plugin so if you haven't checked out the article in the review uh, do so uh, also i have to say that it currently is available for 399 dollars instead of 499 dollars when you consider what that what you're getting for that money even the 499 dollars it is incredibly competitive compared to other products and of course when we did alan we did yeah, that the shooting um, yeah blind shootout uh it was the pentio plugin which uh won the blind shootout and Definitely, that of course yeah. was the original that was the early version the pentio 7 yeah i mean so, they, they've already they've always approached um the up mixing sort of idea uh quite originally um so uh i'll be quite ex uh, excited to hear what they've done with the with, with, with the uh immersive version actually because yeah. um yeah, it'd be lovely to hear what how they they, they, they their take on up mixing, especially with music content. Yeah, because it, it's always been uh, slightly different to the other up mixers who sort of seek to recreate a natural three um, D environment mm. uh, rather than, um, as it were, rather than creatively spread the sounds around which is what pentio yeah. do so yeah and i'll be i'll be very interested to hear that when it when i i, I get mm. a chance good okay well on that note it's uh, time to say uh, good night so it's good night from me good night from me and it's good night from me